You're listening to Counterculture on RCR. Yeah, yeah. Radio. Welcome back to Counterculture on Reality Check Radio. I am your host, Marie, and my next guest is Ro Edge, co-founder of Save Women's Sport Australasia. Welcome along, Ro, to Counterculture. How are you? Good. Thank you, Marie. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, it's great to have you here. You spoke to our Rodney a few weeks back. If you haven't caught that interview, head along to realitycheck.radio, go to replays, and you will find Rose interview there with Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And I wanted to pick up on some points that you spoke to Rodney about because it's such an important message. I think the first pressing thing is the recent implementation or passing into law the self-gender ID bill. So for people who haven't heard of this, can you walk people through that? Yeah, sure. So the sex self-ID legislation, it was part of the Birth, Deaths and Marriages Act update, and it came into effect on the 15th of June. And what it does is it allows anybody to change the sex marker on their birth certificate now just by a statutory declaration. There used to be a court process that you used to have to go through. I think it took sort of over three months to go through, but it just ensured that you were actually living as that sex, whatever that means, but you know that you weren't just changing it willy-nilly. So now anyone aged over the age of 18 can alter the sex on their birth certificate at will without any need of proof. Um, if you're age 16 or 17, you need a guardian's consent or just a letter of support from a third party. And under 16, a parent or guardian needs to approve that. So you can put on your birth certificate that you want to be male, female or non-binary, whatever that is, <laughs> and register it on your birth certificate and change it back a week later if you want to as well as just a $55 charge now. So it's a really quick, easy process. Probably the most astonishing part of the bill is it's had very little, if any, public scrutiny because the media were just determined not to discuss it when when Speak Up for Women actually tried to hold a roadshow around the country to, to talk through the issues because there were so many concerns with it. You know, when they did the submissions, they did them in a level four lockdown and they still, like, which was just terrible because you couldn't campaign through that. But there were still over 7,000 submissions and over 70% of them were opposed to the legislation. Essentially, it makes a joke of a birth certificate because now they're meaningless. Whatever's on them, it doesn't need to be the truth. It's just whatever you want it to be. Well, then isn't there also a flow on effect when it comes to other forms of identification? I mean, your birth certificate is one of those set in stone foundational pieces of documentation. Not anymore. So what, not any, yeah, so what happens when you go to apply for a passport or apply for citizenship? Um, Interestingly, um, your passport and driver's license years ago were able to be changed more easily. So now essentially, we don't have any identification document that tells biological fact. That's terrifying. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It is. So the biggest thing to know, though, is the one thing that Speak Out for Women did manage to get into the legislation was like some um, specific clauses that mean that the birth certificate can't be, doesn't have to be used as a form of identification that service providers who are single sex service providers can actually request other forms of identification or make decisions based on biological sex too. But a lot of service providers currently think that because sex self-ID has come in, they have to allow men who identify as women into women's safe spaces. But that isn't the case. But it's going to be have to be up to the public to educate them on this because our media will still not talk about it. So what about things like public swimming pools? 
they are often council-owned, local government-run. Yeah. I know that there's already a furore done in Southland around this. So how are councils at the moment looking like they're going to tackle this issue? Well, that is going to be up to the public to push them to tackle it the way they want them to. They'll probably, because we have so many weak leaders when it comes to gender ideology and implementing it, they will probably allow self-ID unless the public really push back against it. So basically the legislation says that it says that birth certificates can be used as evidence of sex or gender. Where service providers need to determine someone's sex or gender, other factors can be considered over and above the sex listed on a birth certificate. They're reflecting the fact that birth certificates aren't meant to be considered evidence of a person's identity, which you would think that they were, but not anymore. Now they're just useless. Now they basically just, the only thing you can guarantee on them that's correct is the date of birth and location of birth at this stage. Well, it's almost reducing that documentation into a piece of vanity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So really we go back to um, the, like our Human Rights Act, and that women can have single sex spaces where sex, size, and stamina are like have an impact. But it really is up to women and girls, and you know, fathers as well, to really push to ensure that if pools want to allow transgender people to use the bathrooms of their choice, that they have separate facilities for them to use and they can still provide single sex spaces. So they may have some part of the facilities that they can use, but that women and girls can still have their own single-sex spaces as well. But you're going to have to push hard for them. Mm. In terms of those single-sex spaces, because often, like using the pool scenario, a lot of pools have uh, family rooms, for example. So when dads take their daughters to the pool, the dads can't go, you know, they don't want to go into the women's changing room and the women don't want the dads in there either. So they have these family rooms so the dads can change their daughter's clothing and get them all ready for the pool. There has been some talk as that being an option, but do you get the feeling with the changing of this law, the flow-on effect, the butterfly effect, as it were, has not really been considered? So they've considered the the virtue and the vanity of the law, but not actually considered the real-world consequence? Oh, look, that's so true, Marie. I mean, we see this in sports policies as well, right? That the theory of it sounds lovely, you know, inclusion and all the rest of it. But when you put that into practice, you see Leah Thomas and you see the implications of Leah Thomas, which was the US swimmer that was that basically was a mediocre male swimmer in the NCAA, which is the college competition over there, transferring over to the female division and winning an NCAA final and basically using the females' changing rooms. And if any of the females said anything, basically they were threatened that they would be out of the squad. So, yeah, it hasn't been considered at all. I think everyone, we naturally want to be kind and inclusive, right, because we want everybody to have the right to feel safe and secure and to be able to play sport or swim or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is. But we do need to ensure that we still look after the fairness and the safety of females because we have those spaces for very good biological reasons. One of the things that changed when I started reading more on these gender issues, and we share a mutual friend, so that's how she she boned me up on a lot of these things, excuse the pun. And yeah. she and one of the things I hadn't realized, because I know some transsex people, and they went through a full long process that lasted a number of years. 
and they had both hormonal and surgical transition that was guided and counseled have no trouble with that whatsoever the good people Um, what i didn't realize with a lot of the gender ideology today is that the vast majority don't actually take those steps they uh, self-identify or they have an identified change in gender and that's where it ends Uh, physically they're still the biological sex that they were born with so from what I understand Leah Thomas was walking around with his meat and potatoes and um, no melons to see anywhere yeah exactly yeah so by far the majority don't have any surgical intervention at all now but you don't even have to have a medical intervention now it can just be how you want to identify it's what you say it's all about feelings it's nothing to do with facts you know we talk about um, changing rooms and stuff but there's even there's even places that are, are worse than this where this this has the ability to create real harms for women you know care providers for your elderly mother or a disabled female you're going to have to make sure that if you know somebody, like if your mother or you know a disabled sister or family member needs a female carer, that you insist that they must be biological female. Because you can imagine if a male came in and you had a disabled woman or an elderly woman who couldn't verbalise if there were problems, that like it could just be an absolute disaster. And how uncomfortable would they feel and not being able to express that? There's also kids' school toilets and changing rooms as well. You know, we've just, we, it feels like, you know, we, for years, we really worked on safeguarding female spaces, safeguarding our young girls. And now we have chucked that all out the window with this gender ideology. So at schools, you need to make sure that you talk to the, you know, the principal there to make sure that the girls have female only toilets and changing rooms to use. Because otherwise, what happens is girls start withholding liquids so they don't have to go to the toilet, or they'll hold on, which leads to urinary tract infections, or they'll actually leave the school to find a toilet where they feel safe. And this is actually happening in New Zealand now. Playing devil's advocate, there are some journalists that are calling this the dog bites man situation, where there are a few incidences that have been reported and been over-exaggerated in the media in order for, they call them anti-trans activists or pro-women supporters, to try and strengthen their position. How many issues or encounters are being reported, or is it one of those things like sexual assaults, for example, the vast majority go un- unreported, you don't hear anything about it, and it's only until you have the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and something truly dire has happened that you find out about it? Yeah, so for a start, I would say the media refuse to report anything. So that's very rich of them to say that, you know, there's only a few things reported because, you know, we've tried to send them information on things that have happened and they refuse to acknowledge them or report on them or do any investigation into them whatsoever. I would say it's very much like the sexual assault thing. I would say that most in, most people will just feel really, really uncomfortable and leave and stop using those spaces. And we know of that happening already. Yeah, it's, you know, unfortunately, the inclusion of males in female spaces and places excludes females. We don't feel comfortable. And what we should not be doing is teaching our young children not to be aware of safeguarding issues as well by putting male bodies in their spaces when they're younger and teaching them that that's okay because then their guard's down. And if there is an issue, how are they ever going to know, you know, that that normal fear won't be there that would actually keep them out of that that particular situation yeah I think a lot of it too is the fear of speaking out and being called anti-trans or a transphobe I mean we all saw what happened at Let Women Speak event in Auckland and just how malign you know anyone that comes out 
against all of this is this is pro-woman it's not anti-trans you know we want trans to have their space as well but it seems like that it's only their feelings that are considered and the feelings of everybody else now are just inconsequential Traditionally, when it was genders were being switched, it was most often male transitioning to female. Now, I, from what I understand, it's now actually come back the other way. It's almost like a social contagion where women, young women, are now wanting to transition to become young men. And this is often where the puberty blockers start coming into play. You have social transitioning first, but once medical transitioning happens... It happens at a time that things cannot be reversed. Are you hearing of of these sorts of things where yeah. these social oh, transitions like and medical transitions are starting to happen with dire consequences? Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It really is. I mean, you know, we've always had social contagions with young females. When I was young, it was bulimia and anorexia, and I got caught up in that. Then it went to cutting, and now we've got trans. And unfortunately, in female friend groups, if one or two people within that group start doing that it is contagious around the group it's like the girls all sort of come in and support each other and end up doing a similar thing and so you do get a lot of social contagion but we're also teaching girls now like puberty is terrible right did any of us enjoy going through female puberty it totally sucked right we are now telling kids they can opt out of that and it's all fine they can just make it go away as if like magic like if we'd had that choice marie when we were younger we probably would have gone yeah whoa, that sounds great. I don't want to have a period and I don't want my breasts to grow and all of that awful stuff. And so we're actually telling telling kids a lie and it's having profound impact on them. The The only hope is that we've seen recently the NHS in the UK has basically no longer offers puberty blockers to kids unless it's through a clinical trial. They've completely stopped it. It's also been stopped in Norway, Finland and Sweden, which were some of the first countries that really pushed this gender ideology, because they've all seen that it is actually really dangerous to kids, like the impact it has on their bodies. It doesn't just stop their puberty and then when they go off them, their puberty starts again. They don't ever get that growth back. So if you're a little boy that's put on puberty blockers, the penis will never grow past the point it is when they go on puberty blockers, which it's just unbelievable with yeah with it stops the bone density bone growth brain growth it's just appalling and the majority of kids that go into puberty blockers they get put on this pathway to transition that then involves cross-sex hormones and once young girls go onto cross-sex hormones onto testosterone their voice deepens forever they grow hair they pretty much can go into early menopause they could become infertile. Many of them don't ever enjoy an orgasm in their whole entire life. These kids can't consent to this when they're teenagers. They just can't. We all know that they don't have the cognitive ability to do so. And I just can't understand why we're pretending that this is all okay. Yeah. And then there's the two elements in terms of affirmation. You know, schools are told that they must affirm someone's self-chosen gender identification which as we've seen recently with the teacher the maths teacher that has another whole set of consequences one of the things that i find really disturbing having spoken to educators that have got kids that identify this way is often it's a chicken and egg when you've got parents who are very invested in the ideology is this 
something that the children are doing in order to please and satisfy the parents or are the parents living their lives vicariously through their children it's I mean I've seen that too and that's really quite frightening I haven't seen it in New Zealand but I have seen it online like over in the states where it is very scary like transing their kids when they're still little kids (laughs) how do they know I mean like little boys love dress-ups you know like my kids used to quite often dress up in, you know, girls' clothes and boys' clothes. God, I despair at the fact that what we're doing is rather than being inclusive, inclusive of all this diversity is now we're narrowing people down to really old-fashioned stereotypes. And if you don't fit a box, then apparently you're not right and we must change you. Welcome to the world of critical theory because critical theory is all about applying you into a very self-defined um, label. And then within that label, you fall into one of two groups, which is either being a victim, uh, an oppressor or oppressed, essentially. And within that, there is a totem. And funnily enough, uh, trans is right at the top of the totem. So depending on what box you tick, trans will sort of outwoke anything else along the box. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of this critical gender theory has become so popular, because it allows you the greatest amount of power within that social paradigm. And it is certainly something that we're seeing. And it's creating a schism too. There is definitely a schism amongst the LGB community, amongst the trans and the rest of the community. Uh, They're certainly seeing it. And some of the most vocal opponents of this uh, ideology are lesbian women because they are seeing themselves very much threatened. Oh, totally. We even had our Human Rights Commissioner tell lesbian women that there's no such thing as same-sex attracted anymore, it's same-gender attracted. So essentially, same-sex attraction doesn't exist, or if, if it does, then they're homophobic or transphobic. You know, it's, it is just completely and utterly nuts. It is nuts. Now, you mentioned uh, Leah Thomas earlier before. There has been Senate hearings in the United States around this. Riley Gaines, uh, who was the swimmer that came second to Leah Thomas, has become quite a vocal activist in this space. Have you been following those hearings at all? Not closely, but I did um, hear Riley. Riley actually tied with Leah Thomas in an event, and Leah was given the trophy and allowed to have all the photos. And Riley was told that one would be sent to her after the event. So this is a female event, right? This is the pinnacle of Riley's whole college, like her last year at college. And she basically podiums in an event, but because she tied with Leah, Leah, the male, was prioritised over the female in her own event. It was appalling. But I did hear um, there was a somebody, a human rights person on one of the um, events that you were just talking about, and she was asked, is it fair? And she was saying that um, oh, Serena and Venus Williams, you know, no male could beat them. And it's like, oh, my God, the 203rd ranked male tennis player played them and completely thrashed them. And luckily, Riley you know, pulled her up on that and said, well, actually, that's completely incorrect. So I have seen a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. she's a legend. I'm actually going to be meeting her in about, oh, just under a month. I'm going to the um, the 2023 International Summit on Women's Sport in Denver, Colorado. And there are some amazing women. Paula Scanlon, who was another swimmer that was in Leah's pen team as well and forced to share changing rooms with them too. She's going to be speaking as well. Sharon Davies from the UK is coming over as well. There's going to be some incredible people there. So I'm really looking forward to it. How many trans athletes are actually competing currently in the New Zealand sphere? 
it's so hard to know, Marie, because sports will not disclose it. You know, we know, I think there's three that we know of in cycling. One of them has won over $8,000 worth of female prize money and podium positions in the last couple of years. There's another one that has um, won three of the female trophies for the club, their club last year. And I had a really long chat with a female that actually cycled at that club and she said most of the women have left now. Rowing is another sport that I wonder would be affected by this because it's one that is such a you know, a power-based sport. I'm waiting for those first rowers because I think there are some trans rowers internationally, but we haven't yet seen them in this country. And with rowing being one of our blue ribbon sports here, I do wonder whether at the moment we're seeing them in fringe sports in this country, but what happens when we have players that are wanting to break into or males wanting to identify in sports like rugby, where that could become dangerous, could it not? Well, I understand that there are some males playing women's rugby in New Zealand. We haven't been given the details of them, but we have been told there are some. You know, the New Zealand Rugby Union, so they're the ones that started off the whole process that led to Sport New Zealand developing their guiding principles for transgender participation because the New Zealand Rugby Union rejected World Rugby's transgender guidelines, which said that they could not compete in female competition due to health and safety reasons. Like there was a 20 to 30% increase of injury if a male was on the field in a female game. And I couldn't believe it when New Zealand Rugby Union rejected it. But what happened is when World Rugby brought out their um, policy, there was a coordinated campaign by trans activists to every rugby union around the world, and they all became fearful of it. And so they said, oh, no, no, we can't accept that. We'll develop something that's right for New Zealand. So the NZRU went to... um, Sport New Zealand and said, look, we need some funding to help with this. And Sport New Zealand said, well, if we're going to fund that, we'll develop guidelines for all sport alongside. But they knew the outcome before they even started because just before they had placed a transgender, Sport New Zealand had had placed transgender guidelines, just a one-pager on their website. Then all of a sudden they pulled them and then they went through this really long-winded, expensive process to come up with exactly the same guidelines as they had before, but they were just over 12 pages and, and it had a whole lot of crap on them as well. So New Zealand Rugby Union, as we understand it, have been, we've managed to delay them announcing this because they wanted this policy out almost two years ago now. They've been consulting on it ever since, but we understand that that's self-ID as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they have the courage to bring it out or whether they're just flying under the radar and allowing it quietly and hoping nobody notices. Again, the ripple effect. I mean, what happens when you have an injury in rugby and the outcome is someone who is physically superior due to the accident of their birth? Yeah, I think in the US there was a game of rugby last weekend and three girls got injured with a a male on the field that were pulled off. Yeah. It It is quite scary. If people are wanting to find out more information around this, especially around sport, A, where can they find information? And B, if they are seeing this in their own sports clubs, so they've got themselves are playing, they've got daughters playing, they have concerns, what can they do? They can raise them confidentially with us. They can either email us or through our website or contact us via Facebook. All correspondence will be completely confidential because we understand the issues around, you know, coming forward publicly. But if you wanted to come forward publicly, we would love that because the more people that do, the more confidence it gives to others to do the same. Right now that we all have this fear of speaking out because we've seen the backlash that happens to those that do, but that only remains 
when the majority of us stay quiet. And we know the majority of us agree. We did some polling, gosh, when was it, about February or March. And, you know, by far the majority of people do not agree with males participating in female sport and being in female changing rooms. We just have to give them the courage to speak up. But if they don't want to, they can definitely get in touch with us. We have a database that we're keeping of everyone that and basically that shares their stories with us so that we can build on that. Now, with the Sex South ID legislation, one thing they have said they're going to do is in five years' time, like they're going to monitor it and in five years' time decide whether they need to change it or not. I have no idea how they monitor how many girls are no longer going to play sport because they don't feel comfortable on the field or in their changing rooms. Like, how do you research and analyze that? It just, yeah. How many how many women ex- exclude themselves from female spaces and places because they don't feel safe? But we need to try to work out how we can hold them to account with that. Mm. So those details again, Save Women's Sport Australasia. What is the website address? Yeah, it's savewomensport.com or .co.nz. Our Facebook page is just Save Women's Sport Australasia. We're on Twitter as well. So you'll be able to just find us just by Googling googling us but yeah definitely if you know of anything please please get in touch because the the more information that we have like we can just keep building this database and we can use that to try to push the government to reverse this or to provide better protections that's fantastic this is Edge from save women's sports australasia if you've got any questions or queries or feedback for us here around this interview make sure you contact us at inbox at realitycheck.radio that's inbox at realitycheck.radio or text us that number is 2057 ro thank you very much for your time this morning we will definitely stay in touch because this is an evolving issue and i think it's something that we need to continue putting a spotlight on because no one else in the media seems to be doing it other than us thank you so much for your time don't go away still more here to come with reality check radio and counterculture you're listening to counterculture on rcr reality check radio